Welcome again, I'm Medical Education Podcast listeners. This is Kevin Eva, the Editor-in-Chief for the Journal. And today I'm speaking with Morris Gordon, who is a pediatrician from Royal Manchester Children's Hospital with a, a specialty interest in gastroenterology. Morris is an honorary lecturer in medical education at the University of Salford. And perhaps most impressively, he's managed to get a considerable amount of writing done during the long night hours when he's at home caring for both a 19-month-old and a 6-month-old. Thanks, Morris, first of all, for being willing to chat with me when I'm sure you must be quite sleep-deprived these days. Oh, well, thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak to the readers. My pleasure, and what prompted the call, is, as you know, is that in the November issue of Medical Education, you will have a paper published entitled Educational Interventions to Improve Handover in Healthcare, a Systematic Review. Congratulations on the paper, first and foremost. I wonder if you could start by telling our listeners a little bit about why you thought handover was such a particularly important focus for the effort that's required of systematic reviews. Uh, well, I think, to be honest, like many people who undertake such work, it was, it was grounded in my own experiences. And I've felt for a long time, as I've worked through the introduction of reduced working hours and full shift systems, that the continuity that was needed to facilitate good care has been lost. And actually, as time has gone on, uh, rather than getting better, as uh, our junior trainees have come through and they've only known the system, they've not embraced it, they've not necessarily improved or been models of good practice with us um, older work has been the problem, actually the reverse is true and actually I feel that how they were practicing was not what I wanted to see for my patients and that prompted the question, okay, how can one improve handover and as my investigations in that issue carried on it became clear that as an education list this was an area that really hadn't been locked out and so that led uh, very nicely into the idea of doing a review. And so in the interest of context, given that many of our readers and listeners are coming from different parts of the globe, how would you describe a typical handover or typical handover education in your work experience? In terms of the handover process, we're generally working on full shift systems. So you have a handover at 9 in the morning uh, with a night team handing over to a day team again at 4.35 o'clock in the afternoon and then again at 9 o'clock. And particularly those two handovers are the poor ones because you often get someone coming from a different work environment, say uh, working out in a community setting, who's there to make up these very large bulky rotors, takes a lot of information and actually doesn't action much of that information. And then there's a major risk there that I've noticed that error can occur in. The classical example that I've seen happen a dozen times, the same error, is a particular blood result that was meant to be chased. The context is lost by the person not taking appropriate handover, not handed over the information appropriately to their counterparts on the night shift, and it gets lost in translation. And some of the early papers on handover that were coming out in the research, you know, quoted this chain of whispers idea. And from an education perspective, nothing is going on, nothing at all formally. Our Royal College of Pediatrics in the UK did synthesize a single A4 piece of paper, really, that's all it is. It's got no evidence base, it's got no grounding, um, it's simply a distilled version of a piece of work by the British Medical Association, which again was written by non-educationists, was kind of obvious and made sense, but it didn't actually give you any feel of how one was meant to achieve a good handover, simply what they thought the constituents of a good handover were. Um, okay. And really it wasn't good enough as far as I was concerned. Given the reading that you've done and the papers that you came across in conducting this systematic review, what would you say is the gold standard model with respect to what defines good or high quality in this sort of activity? Well, I don't think there's much in the healthcare 
sector at all. I think all the good stuff, the really good stuff, is coming from outside of healthcare, and it's only in the last two or three years that it started to breach through. So if you look at examples in, there was a fantastic piece of work looking at F1 racing, a lovely guy called Kevin Catchpole over in the UK, who I was lucky enough to hear speak earlier in the year, and went off and worked with Ferrari for a few months, and he stole some of their methods, and he and he used them in a healthcare setting, in a theatre setting, and a lot of the theoretical ideas that came out are actually things that we've been able to replicate from our uh, understanding and our distilling of the literature. Uh, there's been work, very good work, in other sectors, particularly a lot of the grounded stuff that's come from NASA, that led to the stuff that's really defined the aviation industry. And ultimately, since the large crash back in the late 1970s, over in Spain, where two 747s crashed into each other, it was completely miscommunication. Mm-hmm. That really led to that understanding that, okay, there's something here that's not just systems, that's not just mechanisms going wrong, there's people. And that idea of the human factors or the, the non-technical skill stuff. And really, one of the key findings we found in the review is, um, to jump ahead a little, is that the work is very, very contemporary. In the last couple of years, there's been an explosion. 80% of the papers we found were in the last two years. And if you look at the field as a whole, and if you search through the literature, you'll find that this is dominated by the nursing profession until a few years ago. And as the hours have changed, they've stopped writing on it for some reason that isn't clear to me. And it's a shame because there's some really good work coming out from that side of things. And now medics have taken over with their spin. And I think there are sometimes weaknesses in this. And ultimately, one of the things that is a clear area for future work is to bring these two professions together and actually try and synthesize good quality stuff that involves both those perspectives. And ultimately, that's one of the pieces of information that exists in the guidance from our Royal College and the BMA that's not being followed that I think is common sense and is good, that multidisciplinary handover surely has to be the best way forward. And in other places, I think it exists and it works when it does exist, it works extremely well. But certainly my experience has been the vast majority, it's separate. Uh, they run, don't even run parallel, they very often run as completely separate systems, and that leads to really a bunch of problems. That's great for all the advocacy I've done of trying to encourage people to read beyond the medical literature specifically. I never would have thought to go to F1 car racing. Uh, <laughs> just brilliant. The conceptual reading that you're doing then, this is clearly coming in from a variety of perspectives, and when the car racing versus NASA versus some of those other groups you named, they clearly don't have the same institutional, systemic, frontline similarities. So I imagine most of the discussion is taking place at a conceptual level. What's missing in that discussion as far as you can tell? What's stopping the medical community from simply adopting whatever NASA or those other groups have done in order to right the wrongs that you identified? I think it's a lack of imagination. I think it's a lack of well, effort really. I mean, this sort of work hasn't been synthesized until now. It's out there, there is good stuff, it has been moved into the healthcare sectors, absolutely, but an awful lot of what's happened, at least in my experience, and I think your readers will generally agree with this, is that there's examples of good practice locally, but they're not making it out into the wider community, they're not being published, they're not being described well, and so to improve as a as profession, you know, as a whole, in an international way, even a national way, it's just not taken off. And it's a real shame because these good examples where they do exist are really you know, beacons of good practice. One example that springs to mind is a very good hospital medical director in Salisbury Hospital in the UK was determined to try and fix handover. And he went and often produced his 
own half an hour video that's mm -hmm. part of the production and in fact we use elements of that in some local training that we've developed after this paper and they do a fantastic, you could call it a skit really when you watch it, of poor handover but actually it does hit home a little bit harder than it should do and it's got the people texting during the handover and it's got the consultant who is not interested in listening to his nursing colleague about the bed status and about the concerns of a family and really everything that's in there one can relate to and then he goes off and he actually discusses ways in which they can improve handover and it's been very successful and they've instigated systems uh, and obviously there's an element of handover education there the problem I suppose one has is that he's done this um, off his own back and he's done it uh, with terribly good intentions but actually whether or not it's effective is to be proven and more importantly how he's designed this work you know and whether it's grounded at all theoretically speaking or it has any sort of evidence to back up the approach he's taken and um, again is, is a problem because I think that's not the case and this is the problem that was out there and really why we wanted to do this review we wanted to see if we could find what's going on in the healthcare setting and ultimately that's why we decided not to limit ourselves to research that involved just medics we wanted any examples of handover practice within the acute healthcare setting that involve acute handover so that may be doctors it may be nurses it may be multidisciplinary it may be students but everything was up for grabs because i think it you know it all can inform what we can do as educators Right, and I think it's a real strength of the paper, and one of the reasons that I'm confident it's going to have quite an impact on the field. Another strength that I notice that's unfortunately unusual within the systematic review context is people going beyond the simple aggregation of whatever numbers are available and doing some more synthesizing scholarly work, trying to extract themes from the literature and move things forward. I know that you identified three major areas of work when you were going through the field. I wonder if you could give us a few words on what those themes were and why you think they're important for moving us forward. Absolutely. The first theme that we identified was really the most unsurprising theme, and that is this idea that information management is key to handover. When one talks about handover, obviously there's the handover responsibility, we'll come back to that, but also there's a the handover and actual information, and they happen in varying amounts. Very often members of staff will take a handover due to responsibility and that might have no information but actually handover information in the acute care setting is largely the primary component and what we found was that this is a focus of a lot of what's being done and there's a lot of methods that are used and are well understood to help this along there's the use of structured checklists and that's something that's very well used in NASA that's been very well used in other industries and particularly I think we all know has come through in the healthcare setting since 1999's landmark uh, report in the US there to her is, is human and really mm -hmm. that's taken over and from a theoretical perspective there is a social science theory this idea of coordination cost that aligns to this this idea that you do need systems as organizations become more complex and one can claim that NASA is complex but I think if you look at the average district general or equivalent hospital the systems upon systems in such a setting are so complex that we need ever complex or ever more robust systems to back up the passage of information and there's tricks that have come through to do that. Mnemonic devices I knew were going to figure highly because a review by someone else actually that we read when doing our background reading uh, had found 60 odd different papers describing mnemonic devices for handover. And even more impressive than, than 60 different papers, they're not describing the same device. There's about 20 different devices published for remembering what is in a good handover. And so we obviously expected that to figure in any educational interventions. And it did. Uh, but there are other elements too, discussion of techniques for good handover and the use of electronic systems, how technology can interface with it. The second theme is 
we just alluded to is this idea of professional responsibility and how most of our papers brought this into hand over education was by discussion of error. This idea that error awareness can improve one's sense of professional responsibility and really shift us from a situation whereby you're handing over the patients, bed number 12, bed number 16, to my patients. You know, I know about this patient and I'm handing that over. That sense that goes beyond just information becomes a sense of professional responsibility that one needs to have to exercise your powers as a health professional, as a doctor or a nurse, to your best ability. And that was something that was actually executed extremely well in a lot of the papers. And in my work with other patient safety education issues is coming through as well. The final theme was one of communication. And team working was clearly an example we expected. An idea that we found, theoretically speaking, that had been done in pediatrics and published, was this idea of an egocentric heuristic, that we all think we hand over brilliantly. And actually, if you go and speak to the people afterwards and say, did you understand that? Very often the answer is no. And worse than that, if you ask the person who's handing over, did they understand that? The answer is usually a resounding yes. So there's a mismatch there. And actually, being aware of that mismatch and using that as a focus for training is a brilliant example of how we can specifically improve the handover you know, to educate our trainees and our colleagues. The other area that came out that was very important, and again links in to other areas, particularly the aviation industry, is this idea of hierarchical communication. And that's important, particularly in multidisciplinary teams. If you've got a nurse that knows there's a problem, you've got a doctor, for whatever reason, and has a hierarchical advantage and will not listen, that is a problem. And handover is a problem where very often that comes up and empowering members of staff, juniors um, up to seniors or different disciplines who work together and maybe have different levels of power in this healthcare gradient of power is absolutely crucial. And again, other work in other industries has shown that if you do this, you don't cause problems, you don't erode systems, you don't lead to joint decisions on everything. What you lead to is a better quality of care. And so they were the three themes that came through strongly and, as I say, linked in to existing theory from the healthcare areas, but also from social science that have been out there for a while. Yeah, and that linkage makes for quite a strong model. It all sounds very reasonable and it sounds like you've tied it together into a very nice package that people can readily use. Where does this lead us? What's next? I feel like you're at a place now where you have tied it all together in the most sensible way and that the problem's been solved. Absolutely not. I'll never solve a problem. <laughs> I think what we've done is we've opened the discussion. Clearly, your readership are, are a brilliant audience to take this forward. And this is really what we hope from this work. We've given what we think three pillars that will allow you, theoretically ground them, will allow you to start to build handover interventions. And what we'd hope from when people read this is they'll see the weaknesses in reporting of many of the papers, and in particular, the inability for the healthcare community, and I say the healthcare community because often it's not educators who are publishing this work, it's very keen clinicians, but what we really need to do is get out the message that if you've made an innovation and it's worked and that's brilliant, we love to know, what we really love to see is the actual innovation itself. If we don't have a details or preferably the materials you used in this teaching intervention, how can we translate it to our own setting, how can we judge it, how can we work with it? And this was a real problem and although when I wrote to the authors. Very often they were happy to give their material and that really begs the question as to why that wasn't made available in this day and age where online appendices mean videos, text, imagery, presentations, checklists, you name it, can be made available. And with a couple of exceptions that were really impressive examples, that was generally lacking. So I would hope that people will take this forward, I would hope people would make that material available. And you know, my team over here, we're just doing the same thing, we've taken this, we've 
produce some interventions and hopefully once that makes it out into the literature add to the weight of this work. I think it's entirely possible that people may amend, may throw out or may rewrite this work and I think that would be fantastic uh, but the discussion has started. Yeah, and thank you for starting or keeping it going, depending on one's perspective. I think I'll wrap things up there. We could obviously go on for quite some time, but I uh, want to make sure that we leave something for the readers to discover on their own. And so I will direct those of you who've been listening to Morris's paper. Again, the title is Educational Interventions to Improve Handover in Healthcare, a Systematic Review. It'll be published in the November issue of Medical Education, and I've been speaking with the first author of that paper, Morris Gordon from Manchester. Thank you, Morris, for your time and for your insights, and I look forward to hearing about and reading about what comes next. Thank you very much, Kevin.